Voice Nation. Greetings and salutations, Device Nation, your home for the greatest show on earth, and we know that show is Medical Device Sales, with ideas, stories, and interviews to help take you from good to great. This is Kevin Brown, your voice of Medical Sales College in times of your mom goes to college, and all the Napoleon Dynamite fans in my audience said, amen. I worked with a surgeon one time who was absolutely obsessed with that movie, and it had just come out uh, when we were at a meeting, and he had seen it, and could not stop talking about it. We took him out to dinner, and all he talked about was Napoleon Dynamite, and we tried to get the jokes, but uh, without context, it was impossible. The very next day, we're at the meeting. There was some buttons being given out by a vendor. I can't remember which one. And he took the entire container of buttons and began handing them out to everybody that came in the meeting, telling them, you guessed it, vote for summer. Absolutely hilarious. And of course, uh, somebody gave him the button back, and then he had to throw it down the hall just like Napoleon Dynamite. Just uh, amazing stuff. So get yourself a big slug of Gatorade and settle in with a dang quesadilla because it's going to be a great show today. We're going to be speaking with Scott Holdsworth, who's now with Medical Sales College. I've known him for a long time, talking about this industry and uh, the corporate side of business. And we're also going to tie up our three A's and begin opening up a big word, character. Just as a quick aside before we get going, we got this storm coming up the East Coast this weekend, and it's just a curiosity to me. I'm at the grocery store yesterday just picking up some items, and the bread and milk's already gone. And I'm like, what is up with this incessant focus on bread and milk for storms? Uh, It's perishable. If you don't have a generator, then I don't get it. I, I can't really point a finger. I was caught up in that mass hysteria for years until I just said, whoa, I don't even drink milk, really, and I don't eat bread. Why am I buying it for a storm? It's uh, it's crazy. I was in front of a store a few years back uh, before a storm, and a guy rode by. He had just gotten all his grocery shopping done, and I had a chance to see in his car because somehow he stopped right in front of me, and it's the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. His entire car was full of Michelob and Fruit Loops, a dubious pairing, but I digress. Let's uh, let's finish off affability real quick, because I really want to get into the character foundation that we're going to build on over the next uh, so many episodes. Affability, the quality of being affable, oh, that's good. Uh, easy to approach and to talk to, friendly, cordial, warmly polite. An affable and courteous gentleman or gentlewoman showing warmth and friendliness. Warmth. This is just easy, easy stuff, right? Are you somebody that people want to be around? Are you approachable? Do they do they like to be in your presence? And again, it gets back to there's life in the interrogative and death in the declarative. Um, they're not there to hear you talk. They're there because you enjoy hearing them talk. I promise you. But I will tell you this, I think there are some people in this business that are exceptionally gifted at the storytelling aspect of life. Uh, There's a couple, I won't name them because I don't have their uh, permission here, but uh, people love to be around them because they're entertaining, they're funny, and they have always got a great story to tell. Uh, So there's something to be said about that, uh, having something entertaining to share. You know, I always listen to the radio in the morning when I'm driving in and, and scour the good news sites looking for material. Uh, I was coming in the other day and realized it was National Cheesecake Day, 
and National Chili Dog Day. And I just got to share that with the staff, and all I did was just say that, and they took off with it for the next 10, 15 minutes. So, you know, look for material to let them talk, something that's interesting in the news, that's not political, that's genuinely entertaining, uh, or just fodder for conversation, and hone your ability to tell a story, to be able to tell it quickly uh, in a way that makes somebody smile, right? Because that's what we're all after at the end of the day, and, and keep a file cabinet of these stories. And it's just amazing how the right story at the right time can not only be an instructive thing, but you know, an entertaining thing in the right moment. Uh, you know, then comes the wisdom part, right? Of when do you tell the story? But I think a good storyteller is a component of this job. I think music is that same way, isn't it? Aren't the songs that are the really good ones the one that have a good story to tell? I, I was listening to uh, Richard Marks at Don't Mean Nothing. It was just a great story about trying to make it in Hollywood. Uh, listening to that song by Trace Atkins. Uh, You're going to miss this. Of course, it's just a sappy song about your kids growing up, but it's a good story. And that's what makes good music. And I believe at the end of the day, that's what makes a good rep uh, to have these things at our disposal to use at the right moment to make somebody smile or to help somebody out. And again, be that warm person uh, that people want to be around. So let's talk about character for just a second. The mental and moral qualities distinctive to an individual. Somebody told me the other day that character is who you are when nobody's looking, and I agree with that. And I also believe it's uh, what people say about you when you're not around. (laughs) Uh, Unfortunately, uh, two situations. I had a nurse come up to me to tell me about another rep that came into their particular OR, and she said, he's a whiny, and then she used a string of things I'm not going to record on a show, but it was not good, right? And then uh, I was in a group setting with some reps the other day, and a rep referred to a nurse that he ran into down in Charleston who knew a particular rep in this crowd setting and just how much she loved him and thought he was the greatest ever and all this stuff and just raving. So I think there is an element to the character is something that does get put out there by people when you're not around, and you just want it to be good, right? You want people to say nothing but good things about you behind your back. We can't control that all the time. We can't control perceptions. All we can control is what we do, right? I love this quote about it, is character is ethical and moral strength. People of good character have the moral awareness and strength to know the good love the good, and do the good. Because at the end of the day, we're just responsible for what we can do, right? And do the good. That's by uh, Michael Josephson. I love this one. Good character is property. It is the noblest of all possessions by Samuel Smiles. And lastly, in a Nigerian proverb, ugliness with good character is better than beauty. Better than beauty. That's really good stuff. I want you to always think about character and throw an I in there. Uh, Think about that word with air in there. Character, C-H-A-I-R-A-C-T-E-R. Why? Because it's really the air around you, and people pick up on it. They smell it. 
They smell the people that are genuine. They smell the people that are greasy. They smell the people that really aren't interested in them, but they are interested in the surgeon because they get money from that situation. They smell it. It is the air around you. My sister lives out in Asheville, and she ran into a guy in a grocery store. She said it was the best-smelling guy she had ever smelled in her life. And she said, at the risk of being a creeper, I just had to go up and ask him, what are you wearing that's so amazing? Of course, she forgot about it, me being a cologne freak. I'm just dying to know what was that stuff. But it turns out the guy was Gladys Knight's husband, Gladys Knight and the Pips. So I became a man on a mission, and I thought to myself, you know, it is a small world. We can do this. I I have to know somebody that knows somebody that could connect me with this guy. Well, you know what? After a couple days of effort, I actually did get up with Gladys Knight's husband, and I found out the cologne. Guess what it was? No, it was not Jovan Muscoil. It was Aventus Creed. According to my sister, the most glorious thing that has ever gone into her nasal cavity. Unbelievable how much that stuff costs. But you know what? Good smelling stuff doesn't come cheap, and neither does good character. I love this quote. Good character is not formed in a week or a month. It is created little by little, day by day. Protracted and patient effort is needed to develop good character. Heraclitus. Rep told me a story recently that him and another rep went into the locker room to to get some scrubs on, and uh, the light was off when they came into the, into the, the room. There was a bathroom in there. So one rep begins talking about uh, another rep from another company that was kind of low-hanging fruit. The guy treats a lot of people bad, but he's successful, but he doesn't treat uh, he doesn't treat people very well. And he was going on and on about that with uh, with my friend. And uh, my friend decided to take the high road and say, you know, I I don't really see it as us against this guy and. Uh, it's just do your best and hope it works out and try to treat people right. Well, you know what? My friend got lucky that day because uh, they both left the locker room. And guess who came out of the locker room right behind him? It was that guy. Oh, my gosh. It was just absolutely horrifying if you think about it. He had gone into a stall, and his lack of movement had caused the lights to shut off. So when they walked into the locker room, they thought it was vacant. So, you know, that just touches on to one thing that we're going to talk about when it comes to characters, what you say about other people, even if you think they deserve it, right? Even if they're, again, the low-hanging fruit among us uh, that are very abusive to staff, maybe, or you know, they've done some things unethically, or, you know, I could just go on and on and on, come up with a laundry list of it. Or something that they may have done personally to you. You know, what do you do with this information? I just think it's a good practice as we try to develop good characters to speak only good of those around us, no matter who they are and what they truly deserve. I guess we should rephrase that. Character is who you are when you think no one is in the stall in the bathroom. Oy vey. So you're going to want to stick with the show because like Rex Kwando, we're going to have an eight-week program going over some elements of character that I think are important. And hopefully at the end of it, you will learn the strength of a grizzly, the reflexes of a puma, and the wisdom of a man. All right, that's my Napoleon Dynamite for the day. We are done. So let's get to our interview with Scott Holtzworth. Great guy, great company. I can't say enough good things about these people. Uh, taking young skulls full of mush 
and giving them some foundational underpinnings to plug them in with companies and help them be successful. Awesome stuff. A lot of success stories out there if you're considering getting into uh, what we know is the greatest show on earth. I strongly suggest you give them a call. And unlike uh, Rex Kwando and his eight-week program, it's a 12-week program. And you'll come out of there ready to learn and ready to work. So can't say enough good about them. Uh, so welcome to the show. No further delay, Mr. Scott Holdsworth. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I've known you for a long time, and uh, you've had a couple different hats over your career. And you started out with our company, Zimmer. And to walk me through before Zimmer. I mean, how did you get into the business of orthopedics before? Did you just come right out of college? So... I spent a couple of years, I, after I graduated, it was kind of the middle of Reaganomics, which takes you back a little bit to in time. And I had a summer internship prior to my senior year. Uh, everything was good. They offered me the job. I go off to school. I don't do any on-campus interviewing of any form. And I get the call from my mother at the end of April that the job is no longer there. Um, so I painted houses, helped my parents build a house, worked retail sales, sporting goods, JCPenney, and then actually was recruited within JCPenney retail to sell JCPenney insurance. And then I had some relationships in town and one of my, my best man in my wedding, his best friend in Dover, Ohio's name was Jay Deeds. And Jay's father was Charlie Deeds, who I only knew at the time really as Charlie, uh, the, the, the big guy to go up to his house and have fun with. And not knowing that he was the president of Snyder Labs at that time. And uh, soon after my graduation that summer, Charlie said to me, Scott, I don't have anything for you. When I do, I'll give you a call. And he was true to his word two and a half years later in the in late January of 1986. He called me at work and said on a Thursday evening and said, hey, I need you in here tomorrow morning to interview. Uh, see you tomorrow at nine. He didn't have to ask twice. And so I went in, interviewed, and he asked me to come back Saturday uh, to kind of talk about my offer. It was a blizzard in Dover, Ohio. And I remember with my mother standing in front of my closet going, what do I wear to a Saturday interview with Charlie Deeds to get a job in the middle of a blizzard? And, <laughs> and we settled on boots, corduroys, and a sweater. <laughs> and, and, and I went in, I sat in front of, you know, you probably were in that office uh, for anybody that listens to this and remembers it. It was a very intimidating place. He sat up high, you sat low. And uh, the offer that they slid across to the table to me was about uh, 15, five, if memory serves. And I thought I was rich and I couldn't sign it fast enough. And all he said was, just just do a good job and good things will happen. And so they created the lowest job in the company for me, a manufacturing technician. So I was in the burn care department for all those folks that remember that. My job was to open boxes and get dermatomes and mesh grafts and that kind of stuff through the repair line and then package it back up, ship it back out. And then 
when Snyder and Patient Care Systems in North Carolina merged under our Dover, Ohio leadership team, that was my entrance into marketing. I had a bachelor's degree in, in business and marketing. And Terry Egan gave a kid like me with a bachelor's degree downstairs in manufacturing area a shot. I got lucky. 19 years later, I was one of four global directors of marketing for all of Zimmer Inc. post Center Pulse integration. I was very fortunate. I had a, a funny picture somebody sent me the other day of a Sopranos episode, and the patient was in a room. <laughs> and, of course, they just round up equipment to try to put beside the patient to look all yes. medical. And hilariously, it was the old Pulsivac. I did see that. I, I, I commented on it because I said, that's a 515005 <laughs> <laughs> with, with a 515036 fluid set and a 515075 fan spray tip. <laughs> and, and, and while we're going down memory lane, while we're going down memory lane, when you say Snyder, what do you think the first word that comes in my, my mind is? Hemovax. Hemovax, yes. yes. You know, w when you look at x-rays and you see the that, that triangular pattern of, of um, metal rings, and most people have no clue what that is. So exciting stuff. That's where we met mm -hmm. was, uh, in, in especially more so on the, um, uh, the global side when you were doing extremities. Mm -hmm. That had to have been so rewarding working side-by-side -side with top-level surgeons to bring to bring ideas to the market, right? I was incredibly blessed in December of 1998 to join that team and work with, oh, man, two of two in, brilliant individuals and Lou Belliani and Evan Flato. Uh, what they did for me personally and professionally uh, was incredible. We, we did. We literally uh, went around the globe um, launching – Biliani Flato, the complete shoulder solution. And uh, those those are fun times. It was a mutually beneficial agreement. I worked my butt off for them and they worked their butt off for me. And um, I, I don't sit in this chair that I'm in today without them. Because that was on my entrance to metal and poly, which is what orthopedics is. I was on a, uh, a, a tram in Vail, Colorado, talking to a gentleman beside me about a, a shoulder meeting that I was there for. And I was quoting Dr. Biliani a lot and getting some feedback from the gentleman. And and then uh, at the end of the conversation, I, I quoted Dr. Biliani yet again. And he looked at me and he goes, son, I am Dr. Biliani. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, oh my gosh, felt like a complete yeah. idiot. Uh, hide the badge. Yes. Uh, yes. He, as a child, for the summer, they would go to Maine, to Kenny Bunkport, and they would rent a particular house. Uh, for the month of August for their summer vacation. And through the work that ultimately that he did in his career, he was able to purchase that house in Kenny Bunkport for him and his family. That was something that really made me feel good, um, that, that it meant a lot to him to be the, now the owner of that house and not on the outside looking in. That's fun stuff. I had a rep call me the other day, and I've never heard this before in my career. He said, you know, I've been a sales rep for a while, but he said, I think I would really be fascinated to work in the product management side. And and I thought, how do I direct this guy and maybe other people listening that may have an interest in in doing the corporate side? And, you know, any thoughts on that? So I, I think what um, 
what hiring managers are looking for, you know, this you're probably talking directors and VP level that are, are, are having these conversations about how do we want to backfill roles and bring in talent to the organization. And there is a much more uh, what I would call open mindedness of sales experience. I think the first thing a sales guy has to do or gal is be successful in their territory. Um, but in, in some ways, maybe not too successful, because if you are, you know, if you're president's club year over year, you've got a certain standard of living that you become accustomed to and, and a revenue standpoint that coming into the corporate side is is a different compensation level. OK, it can be very rewarding, but it can be very different. But there's also the vast majority that are 1099s right now. You come into the W2 corporate gig. And now all of a sudden your health insurance is paid for for you and your family and all the other what I what we've always called fringe benefits, but were such great benefits to have that comes into play. And I, I think it's a really good pathway for somebody that has uh, maybe they've gone back and they've gotten their MBA. And so they're more tuned in to the business acumen of what the job entails, because really it's it's two things now. It's a whole lot less of what you probably saw and, and I got to participate in, which was kind of the, the fun marketing and promotional stuff. While that still exists, post-DPA, it's a lot more financial analysis and logistics at the end of the day. What is the business plan that you're putting together? Think about launching the next, uh, the next need. Think about what that is, Okay. Uh, for, for this Zimmer audience or the next journey knee or a tune knee, um, that kind of thing. How much thought process has to go in? What's my instrument set look like? What's my implant inventory look like? And what's the cost per set? How many sets can I afford? All of those things, uh, the whole financial analysis. And then the logistics piece is, how can I work with manufacturing and vendors to make sure we get all this stuff lined up in time for launch? So it's, it's, it's a very different game now than perhaps what it used to be. So let's walk from there to uh, opportunity came up with Smith and nephew. And I believe you were with them for 14 years, wearing a couple different hats. Uh, tell me about, tell me about your experience there and what you got mm -hmm. to see and do. Oh, it was. So the best part uh, for me in entering Smith and nephew was I came into uh, the hip marketing realm, um, and I mentioned earlier that, that Total Shoulder and Total Elbow got me into the metal and poly game, if you will, but really foundationally. This is a, a total knee and a, a total hip-driven market space, and Academy that year was like the second week of March, and I forget what the location was. It might have been San Diego that year. It was 2006, I believe. 2006 or 2007, and we had some folks that uh, collected their bonuses and went off to other opportunities. And so there was some some voids in our leadership structure, and so they asked me to be the director of hip marketing for the U.S. And so I I agreed, and because it was another challenge for me to lead a team of people. 2008, I entered the world of sales training as the Hip sales trainer for Smith and Nephew and got to work with some really talented people, really fantastic people. And so I was the hip sales trainer. And then ultimately I was asked to, to lead the entire sales training team, uh, which became hip knee, 
trauma and robotics ultimately. And so just great background for me, you know, working with RVPs and AVPs and VPs of sales and executive management, a lot of really good exposure, some fun national sales meeting events to coordinate and lead. Uh, so, so just some of the really good stuff about working in a large organization. One of the most rewarding things I've ever done in my career, uh, a good friend of mine up in Pennsylvania were kind of the precursors for the VSA program uh, many, many years ago and mm-hmm. would fly up to Warsaw uh, a couple times a year and work with the classes to provide a kind of a boots on the ground perspective to the training. And yes. that was just mm-hmm. so rewarding. Uh, being able to work side by side with uh, these young young hires and get them off uh, on a good footing. A very, very rewarding stuff. Did you yes. do any of the training like hands-on or were you directing other trainers? So uh, while I was still the sales trainer for HIPS, I was doing all the, all the hands-on. Yes. Uh, once I became director, you know, it's kind of like you go from teaching in the classroom to being the principal that reports to the superintendent of the school system in a manner of speaking. So my job was to make sure that events took place in the appropriate manner um, and that the curriculum was what it needed to be in in an ever evolving world of orthopedics um, with changes, you know, metal on metal changed everything uh, for instance, uh, completely changed the game. So um, but I, I really sometimes miss being in the classroom with, with young people and teaching them and, and helping to mold pieces of clay that are pretty raw. But, um, you know, it was fun. You know, I, I started counting and I figured in 12 years of sales training, I probably had close to 2000 people come through. And the most rewarding aspect is walking them walk, watching them walk across the stage and win President's Club Awards. Those are phenomenal things. Or, or become di- directors of sales or ADPs in, in the progression. So, you know, really rewarding aspect of the job. Probably the best thing for my career because it, it rounded me out in the sense of exposure to all the product lines. Um, some great, great instructors, and it, that's what got me total knee to be able to speak the language of total knee since I was never the actual trainer for that. But from my earliest days as a product manager, your expectation was to be able to train on your products, whatever they were. And for me, you know, I, I started out in traction casting and splinting, um, and then you know, just progressed through what I call all the complementary stuff. Um, prior to, to hip and knee, but um, just sales training was a great location for me. My my parents are public school educators, retired, and it just it came somewhat naturally. Doesn't mean I was good at it, but it it, it felt natural to me. Yeah, I think a lot of this job is being a a teacher trapped in a rep's body, marketing director's body, yep. you know, whatever. At, at the core. Mm-hmm. The, the Tootsie Roll Pop, the middle of our Tootsie Roll Pop is, is a teacher, isn't it? Yes, uh, absolutely. And, you know, you have to have a certain passion for it and, and, and a comfort level within it. And I've, I've enjoyed that. I think probably the best thing was you're around young people and young people keep you young. I, I got to tell you one funny story and feel free to share any. Uh, I got a couple stories, yeah. but this one in particular, yeah. I'm doing a Sawbones in front of a class and... 
really good group of people. And there was this one guy, he reminded me of Ken Kesey, the guy that wrote One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, just kind of a bohemian type of character. Okay. And right in, the, right in the middle of the Sawbones uh, demonstration, he yells and goes, whoa, looks up like something was getting ready to crash into him out of the sky. And of course, there was nothing there. And we all stopped for a minute and looked at him and uh, continued to do the Sawbones Lab. And I thought, I just, I, I couldn't resist. I, I pulled him aside later. I said, you're not going to believe this, man. He's like, what? I said, I saw it too. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, really, man? I'm like, yeah. And I just let him go with that. Yes, so yes. To, to this day, I don't know if it was a pterodactyl. I don't know what it was, but uh, something <laughs> something was going kamikaze on him right yeah. there in that lab at the uh, bottom of the building. Yeah, and Sawbones uh, labs in general are, are just comical to begin with. We took, um, we took one class out to a pizza restaurant in Warsaw to kind of commemorate the, the week. And mm-hmm. halfway through the meal, uh, Lady brings in a karaoke machine. I'd never seen one before in my life. I had no idea what was getting okay. ready to happen. Yep. And then they started the um, the whole karaoke deal and people, what looked to be like the cast of extras from the movie Deliverance started piling in. And <laughs> this guy starts singing Footloose. He has no teeth. And it was so comical. Our whole table was laughing our heads off. And all of a sudden I had this moment the same time that Bob had, the guy that was working with me had it, we were the only ones yes. laughing, and everybody was staring at us. So I leaned over to Bob, and I said, Bob, are you thinking what I'm thinking? And he said, yeah. And he was a former state trooper. He said, I've already picked out the three guys I'm going to have to take out to get to that exit door. And uh, <laughs> we we click, quickly paid our check and got out of there. Yeah. But that was a, a really a fun evening. <laughs> so going over to the three A's, affability, yes. availability, yes. ability. Um, and I want to talk about ability just for a minute with you, uh, uh, people's ability on the technical side. Yes. How how strong do they have to be mm-hmm. on that? Do you have any thoughts on that subject, uh, just the sheer numbers and the, the technical data associated with this job? Yeah, it's it's – so this is a science-based industry. So when you say technical, to me, there are two aspects of technical. One of them is the academic technical of being able to absorb – polyethylene science, metallurgical science, um, the, um, the mating of moving parts and wear debris generation and all of those things. You have to be able to absorb and have a conversation with a, a very highly trained individual about those aspects of the job. So it's, it's the academic um, chops, I think, uh, of can you talk the talk? And then the other side of technical is, can you demonstrate it? Can you take somebody through a sawbones demonstration of the persona knee in a smooth, effortless manner? Okay. Can you also do that in the operating room with a mask on and only your eyes and your voice, you know, six to eight feet away from the operative field to a scrub tech and, and, and clearly and concisely tell them, what to do, you've got to assemble a four-piece uh, extra medullary tibial guide, okay? I need you to pull these four things with your laser pointer. Now, uh, align them uh, appropriately for assembly and, and because he's going to be waiting for this. You know, th- th- that's another part of the technical side of things, 
Can you absorb that information, understand it, get enough hands-on that you can communicate it in the appropriate manner in a stressful environment? I remember a gentleman telling me one time, he said, you wouldn't believe how well rehearsed my spontaneous remarks are. And (laughs) I I thought that's really good. And I have literally practiced some of that with my family members because I thought, okay, Mm -hmm. who's more clueless about uh, this femoral alignment guide than my my son or my Mm -hmm. daughter? And I will put that in front of them and try to explain to them how to put something together just to practice yes. it so that my mm-hmm. my spontaneous yes. activity in the OR is kind of well rehearsed. So, Yeah, understanding my right, your left, or rotation, you know, 90 degrees towards you, flip it, end over, just all those kind of little things that you don't think about. Let's talk about the relationship side of it. Any thoughts on that issue? Yeah. Um, so there's a particular word that, that has evolved that to me is like a a be all end all. And it's the word empathy. Do you possess empathy for others? Which means, can you put yourself in their shoes and understand what they're going through? I, I would tell students, every class that came through, don't be, and in quotes, that guy. Okay, that when you open that OR door and you walk in, the staff looks at one another, rolls the eyes and goes, oh, crap, it's Jason that's covering this case. This is going to be fun. Okay, that's that guy. You want to be the person that when that door opens and Kevin Brown walks in and they go, oh, that's right. We got Kevin today. It's all good. Okay, this case will go very smoothly. But if it spirals, he knows how to get us out of trouble. At the same time, that's what you want from a relationship side of things. You have to be relatable. People have to like you. If you are a person that somebody wants to go have a beer with, that's what you're looking for. Um, I I think that you can't just count on relationship selling, though, because so your surgeons, by and large, are all probably four basic buckets, as I was taught in a in a particular uh, selling process. And you've got to be able to sell to all different four of those buckets and they're different conversations. And so just being a relator to uh, somebody that's really just wants um, uh, an analytical that just wants to talk about the last six white papers that came through, you're going to fail miserably. And if it's too much of a relationship sell, you'll never get to talk in business and ask for the order. So it's, you have to be a, a, a good person to be around, but you ha- if you don't have empathy for others, you're, you're not going to be successful. Without giving away any trade secrets, uh, what are the four buckets? Um, I'm trying to remember. So there was an analytical, uh, there was relationship, relator, there was expressive, and I think the fourth was director. And so you had analyticals on kind of the bottom left that – if you walked into a physician's office and really their credenza, their desk, all you saw were white papers and 10 year old copies of JBJS, you better be talking about clinical results. Okay. All the clues are there. That's where you need to focus on. And then you went up, up top left was the relator. And that's where there's nothing but a lot of family pictures, the dog, the grandkids, the things that matter to him or her are family. And so you need to then talk about family first. Don't get right to business. Um, 
And then top right was the expressive. And the expressive would be that individual that that has the scale model replica of his Porsche uh, on his credenza. Uh, he wants to be that person that is the first to use, uh, let's just say he would have wanted to be the first persona user in Salt Lake City, something like that. I, I want to be seen as a first mover. I want to market myself and my practice. So you, you need to look at opportunities for that with that kind of surgeon. It's a different conversation. And then the director at bottom right was, this is your, this is your head of department. This is a business first. Get down to business. Don't waste my time. You know, get to the point. It's not that you, that you, you can't have a conversation that involves some of the other things, but you got to get to the point right now. It's about business. It's, it, so you had about clinical results, about family, about me and about the business in the four quadrants. And you needed to be able to address each one of those four, knowing that probably the, the ultimate personality kind of lied somewhere in the middle. That is uh, very profound. If you just come to everybody with your same old shtick, uh, you know, at some point it, you run against the wall and realize, well, you know, maybe I need to be more self-aware and not just be this certain personality to everybody and hope it works out. But maybe I need to dodge and parry and weave and be, be a different person to this person because I want to bring value to them, right? We all need to be adaptable. No matter what your role, you got to be adaptable. Let's just do a quick overview of Medical Sales College. Uh, it's been out for 10 years. Hands-on training, specialized sales education. I uh, I was looking at some of the stats, over 90% placement. Y'all have uh, placed 1,700 students, probably more than that. And if I read correctly, it's the only licensed and regulated college in the world emphasizing on medical device sales. So that's got to be really exciting. You have students coming in that have some skin in the game that want to get into this business and are passionate about it. And then just building some foundational things in their life, that has to be a lot of fun. It is. And, I, and I'm glad you use the term foundational because I'm going to come back to that. But it is. It's um, my, you know, my role here now is to, I feel like I've come full circle in that I'm, I'm part of our career development function. And that is to be what we call an industry expert as these young people call and want information on the program. And has, you know, somebody who's been around for a while doesn't make me any smarter than anybody else. It just means I've, I've experienced a few things. But at the same time, I also counseled my own son into orthopedic sales. And so I draw upon that to say, I know what you're going through, um, and here's really a, a snapshot of what the industry is. What I like about what we do is it's my opportunity to give back. Um, you know, the people on here that know me know that you know I'm an Ohio State Buckeye to the core, and that Woody Hayes uh, is is my guy. And his his favorite pet phrase was "Pay it forward," and this is my opportunity now to pay it forward to the industry and, and help young people get into something that they've identified as a, a, a way to differentiate themselves versus everybody else. And, I, and this is where foundational comes in because the, the program, you know, what in my Smith and nephew educational curriculum days, there were four tiers to your knowledge, fundamental, intermediate, 
advanced and expert. Okay. And your expert might be, you know, the, the technical guys. You know, I, I would probably put you, Kevin, into kind of that expert level in being able to service your customers. Okay. Long term in the business, those kinds of things. But those are the four buckets. And below um, that is what I call foundational knowledge. That's what I think medical sales college is bringing to the table. We're, we're kind of what I tell them is we're buying you some vows in the, in the game of Wheel of Fortune. OK, because it's really difficult to get a firm grasp of total knees and week, followed by total hips for a week, followed by trauma for a week, followed by orthobiologics. At the end of those four weeks, do you think your head is spinning? As a young person, uh, it's a lot to um, really um, absorb. And so when they leave our program, we've at least given them an opportunity to understand when somebody says the words varus and valgus, they at least understand maybe what that means, knowing that they're going to get specific training on the portfolio of the organization that they join to be to best be able to represent their product line. So it's it's not the last time they'll get trained, but they've at least gotten exposure to a lot of the industry. Um, and, and I think that that's kind of what we, we, we the product that we put out there is it's a little bit differentiated from your average college grad because they've invested. Um, and, and it's a pathway that to get them in front of people. I think that's that's the best part of it. Learning this business now. I mean, when I started, it was a hip, a knee, uh, five trauma <laughs> trays. And yes. that was essentially it. Now it's uh, mm-hmm. trying to drink from a fire hydrant. So yes. giving people, giving people, uh, you know, just a leg up in terms of yes. some of the basic knowledge, directions and anatomy and uh, con- concepts and all that. I think yes. that's, that has such value. So then when they come in, we're majoring on the majors. I, I, I try to make sure people understand we're not giving you a finished product that's ready to go into a territory, especially in hip and knee and, and trauma. No, they, they've gotten some good foundational knowledge, but they're not even fundamental yet. Um, you know, you, you need to the, the company has a stake in continuing to mold them and develop them, quite honestly. Um, so it, it's, it's I tell them it's just the start of the journey of your educational process. And you know what? It never stops. I learn something new every day and I love it that I Agreed. continue to learn. It's a good code of primer. Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, yes, it yeah, is. I, I love that quote, uh, what Dr. Leo Whiteside said. I'm disappointed that I'm not as good as I think I should be having done this my whole life. So if he can say that, then we never master this thing, right? It's a strong statement, but I don't think you can necessarily master anything. I think you can get really, really good. But at the end of the day, something's going to happen and a curveball is going to come down that you just haven't seen before. This is what I call experiential learning. You have to experience it. You can't just learn it from a book or an online uh, situation. You have to be in it and it has to happen. And then you have to learn from what happened so that the next time it happens. Well, this is what I saw. Dr. Um, this is what I saw Dr. Flato do in that situation. Had a good conversation with a rep this morning about that is that, you know, the uh, the dynamic nature 
of this thing is uh, is what keeps it forever new because it, the only thing static are things that happen yeah, in a life, yes. right? Once you introduce people <laughs> yeah. and the different variables that can happen uh, at the end of a saw blade and at the end of a, a drill and all this stuff, um, then it's the variables that keep you on your toes and keep you ever learning because uh, it, it's not a definitely not a static job. Totally ever-evolving market um, patient um, you know, look at what the future is now. Everybody's focused on robotics as they should be. If you're not, if you're in orthopedics as a company and you don't have a plan for two things, one being robotics and two being the ASC ambulatory surgery center markets and the healthcare economics that go into that, you're way behind and you're not going to catch up. I talked to an ASC director this morning. I said, did you ever think that you would be where you are right now? Uh, with all the joints they had going yes. on in the facility mm-hmm. next week. And she said, I never would have guessed it in the million years, but she said it's job security right now because uh, other people are being mm-hmm. laid off mm-hmm. because of COVID. And uh, it's just, it's a real opportunity going on yes. in those places. Any, any parting advice, Scott, to the audience? I always ask people, you've got a podium, any advice to people that are either getting into business or that are already in and you know, if you had to deliver a pearl of wisdom, what, what would it be? Be yourself always. Um, if you try to be somebody else, you're going to fail. You, you be true to yourself, work hard, and have empathy for others. I know it sounds relatively trite and cliche, but that's that's the secret. I guess that's the secret sauce. It it how successful you are. There are many elements that are beyond your control. The only thing you can control 100% is how you act. And so be mindful of that. Talk less, listen more. I, I, keep, I keep counseling my own self to this day of seek first to understand, listen better. And, and it's, it's, it's a constant thing because we all want to talk. And, and 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 give an answer to something, but did you really think about what was being asked? So, um, Sandy Van Rensburg taught me, you know, you have two ears and one mouth, use them in the appropriate uh, ratio. Well, Scott, I've really enjoyed working with you over the years, and uh, the surgeons that I work with that have worked with you have just had nothing to say but positive things uh, about you and have really enjoyed working with you. And I'm excited about this new endeavor for you and look forward to the, the next chapter in your life. So, Well, at the end of the day, Kevin, I'm completely humbled by, by being able to be a guest on this podcast. Uh, you've just had Aaron Hoffman and Leo Whiteside. And, and for me to follow in those shadows and in that, those footsteps is it's just an amazing thing. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to, to share some stuff that I've seen that pales in comparison to what those gentlemen have done. But you're doing a great job with this, and, and everybody should listen to what you say because it matters. You're not just the box opener that you put on on your profile. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I probably should I probably should uh, let everybody know I don't technically open boxes because we know <laughs> – we know what that yes. that that gets you in trouble. Uh, yes, yes, it does. This is not the old days. 
Well, Scott, I really appreciate your time, and I hope you have a great weekend. It's always a a pleasure visiting with you and swapping stories. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity, and best of luck, my friend. So if you're looking to get into medical sales and want to take advantage of the opportunities afforded by going to medical sales college, or you know somebody that you would like to send to medical sales college, wow, that would be a gift, send an email to sholdsworth at medsalescollege.com. Write that down, sholdsworth at medsalescollege.com. And be sure to check out their website. I'll put the link in the show notes. I love that line about being yourself. And what does that mean? That means being authentically you and who you are, again, is your character, the mental and moral qualities that you possess, and then you exude like a fragrance to your customers, your family members, your significant other, and on and on and on. So we're going to open that up over the next eight weeks and talk about what are the components of good character and how in the world does it relate to medical device sales. It's going to be awesome. And we've got some amazing interviews coming up. I tell you what, next week is going to blow your mind. So you're going to want to hang around for that as well. So I hope this was helpful today. And uh, I hope you all have an awesome week. Again, I always appreciate having you in the audience. And So as we go into this week, let's not be that guy. Let's be yourself. Let's be situationally aware, especially in a dark locker room. (laughs) And most importantly, be safe. Device Nation.